all sorts of restrictions about referrals, you know, corrupt practices or, or, or taking bribes. So it's often not a monetary value that, 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 takes, that, that, that is transferred. It's a reputational thing. So you've got to feel totally comfortable about saying, hey, we had a great experience with this company. I think other people in my, uh, my profession could use that. And that, you know, that's, that, that is a, that's a big bar to overcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Account Experience Podcast. And today, we have a special guest, our very own CEO and co-founder of Customer Gauge, Mr. Adam Durrell. And in this episode, we focused on the ROI of experience-based referrals. And as a CEO, Adam is really passionate about making sure companies tie their referral revenue to their experience programs. And he's pretty candid on why. So let's dive on in to the latest episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Kerry T. Self. Say hello, Kerry. Hello, everybody. And uh, today, guys, we're excited about our guest. He is the OG of Account Experience, the CEO and co-founder of Customer Gauge, the one, the only, Mr. Adam Durrell. How are you doing today, Adam? Oh, man, I'm great. It's great to see you, Ian and Kerry. How are you? It's lovely to be on here. But I, you know, I, by the way, I've been loving the podcasts. I think they're fantastic. And I listened to the one with Trish this morning. But like, you guys are up to like nine or 10, and it's the first one I've been on. Yeah. Is, should, I, to... should I take that as a compliment if you've been warmed up? And, <laughs> we, you know, we wanted to get it right before we had you on. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> I at the bottom of the list. You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm with Kerry. We're trying to work out all the kinks early on, but I think we're, we're at a point where we're cruising now. So it made sense to bring you on here. And I, and I know you've been doing this what for like 11 12 years now adam um and i'm guessing you just have a massive amount of experience i know obviously just working with you every day that you do so we wanted to get you on this thing kind of share some of that knowledge with uh, the audience so uh and our topic today is the roi of experience which is something we've been banging that drum for for a long time now i've been here five years and that's been kind of our go-to um so the roi of experience what does that mean to you in a b2b context Oh, that's a big word. So hold on, let's just break it down. Return on investment. You want to dive in right now. Yeah, I, of I course. just want to get warmed up with some stuff. <laughs> I just, but first of all, I, I'm, I'm just going to throw some stuff back to you guys. Uh, and I've been loving the thing that you've been doing. So actually, what have you guys learned most over the last 10 episodes? Tell me what, tell me what really jumped out at you. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, you're looking at me to go first, I guess. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> You know, I think Adam, one of the one of the biggest things of the takeaways are is I think the more Ian and I have been talking about this and bringing people into the conversation, and then having conversations after we even listen to our own selves speak, I, I think I'm 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 overly amazed by a how much we actually do know. I know that sounds horrible, but we do some really deep dives on some topics that people I think normally just kind of gloss over yeah. or skate over and think. Oh, I know everything there is to know about that. And we've really been able to punch through that, that, that curtain per se and see what the workings are behind that. Um, I think that's one of my biggest aha moments and having other people listen to it and then call me and ask me a specific question. Like, what did you mean by this? And it's kind of been a nice segue or icebreaker of us to really talk about what's the difference between customer experience and account experience. 
Yeah, I think you've given back so much to the community, Kerry. I love this. And I think this podcast is really a great experience for you guys. And what about you, Ian? What did you get out of it? Yeah, I think um, I'm kind of echoing what Kerry said. So we've, it seems like ancient history to me, but I was a program manager at a bank doing this type of thing. Kerry did it for Arias and a couple other companies. So I think we're pulling from our own collective experience. And, and that's also been the feedback I got is like, wow, that was really helpful. Um, so I, I think we underestimate how much of this stuff we've been through and how, much, how many struggles we've overcome and things like that, that I think are valuable to the audience, which was great to get back um, a couple different times across the, uh, the 10 episodes so far. So yeah, I think it's, it's kind of just making sure that we are putting, you know, that experience at the forefront. Like we've been in your shoes. We know what you guys are going through. We can yeah. offer some advice because we've, we've failed before in these specific areas and this is what you guys should focus on instead. So that's been really uh, rewarding on my side. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's try, let's try and um, think about what you say. That was great because it gave me a couple of moments to think about return <laughs> on investment on the experience. But I, I, re- I was thinking about this this morning and uh, because um, you know, I, I, I try to talk to a customer or a prospective customer at least once a day. And one of the things I was struck by is that in all the time I've been doing this in the 13 years or the 15 years since I've really been thinking about retention and, and how experience interacts with that, is that there are very few tools around still that help people with retention. And then if you zoom out a bit on the picture, is that retention is still really underserved, I think, as a kind of a discipline. Um, it, it, you know, and, and, and Ian, if you think about what you do, you know, you're measuring marketing to the nth degree, you know, what is the conversion ratio on this ad? Uh, you've got lots of tools that help you move somebody from the website through to what is it? It's, you know, attention and awareness to, to closing. Yep. And you know, you look, where are the tools that help CEOs or, or, or the C-suite people figure out when their customers are going to leave them or buy more for them? It's really a, and you know, I'm going on this, you know, I've been doing CRM systems, been involved in them since the 90s. You know, if I could tell you some of the, some of the names in that, you, you, you probably get, you wouldn't know who I'm talking about. You know, but the, but that, the promise of CRM back in the day was, that, was to solve all of the problems. Yeah, you're going to know everything about your customers. In the mm-hmm. end, CRMs, I still think it's like a glorified address book with, with knobs on and graphs, right? Not, and, you know, and I'm not dissing Salesforce because these guys just made a record quarter. They, you know, I, I love Salesforce. We have it internally, but it's, it's uh, in the end, it, that doesn't tell you anything about whether your customers are really going to churn on. So I think it's really about figuring out what the customer experience is. And, and that then, um, you know, that leads us into to the re- return on investment. I'm going to take a pause. Am I on the right track with you guys? Yeah, I think that's, that's exactly where we're going, Adam, which basically is we've been talking about this episode after episode, but it really is making sure that you're focused on the right thing. So anybody can spin up a survey with like a survey monkey, send it to your CRM. That's not really what this is about. This is more, it's bigger, it's broader, like focusing on the business results. So you you mentioned the marketing example, right? So my job as, as the VP of marketing is not only measuring that ad, but making sure it converts the revenue. That's literally my first task is to make sure these things are converting. And I think too often in these, these programs, we're focused on like measuring the score or we're focused on getting a good response rate or f- just reading the feedback from customers. And what we've been really talking about in detail, Carrie and myself, is producing an ROI from that, that program focused on revenue 
and really getting it to a business level metric. And I think that's, that's really important these days to, uh, to address. And that's, that's what we're hoping to dive into uh, the episode with you today. So yeah, what does I, that mean I, as the CEO to you as like tying it to revenue? If, if you hear tying your experience program to revenue, what does that do to you as a CEO? We're lucky in our business because we're a SaaS business and we really, we, we've got uh, retention metrics built into everything that we do. Um, yeah. You know, the, 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 the North Star for us is really uh, net revenue retention. Um, and we're able to bring all of our stats together in one meeting. You guys know that. We have a weekly meeting about this. Mm-hmm. When, we, when we look at these things, you know, because I'm really interested in growing the business with new logos. Um, but also, I want to make sure that we can hold on to our existing customers and, and grow those as well. And, I, you know, after really thinking about this, I think most companies don't have all of those metrics in, in the same room. Um, they're in different departments. Uh, so, for example, uh, if um, churn is somebody else's problem, maybe it's nobody's problem, it's just not getting managed. Uh, and new sales or, or sales from existing customers are lumped together with sales. So they're not thought about as, uh, as a kind of a, you know, hey, that was a win from retention or a win from a referral. So they're not really thinking about this holistically. And if I think about the return on investment, I, I think it's really in three areas. The first one is, is pretty obvious. It's like uh, stop your customer's churning. So what actions can you do to stop the revenue bleeding out, you know, holding on to your customers for longer? That seems to, I think it's the most obvious one that everyone comes up with in, in improving customer experience, right? And uh, Kerry, I can see you nodding on this. So, you know, you, you've, I think you, you've probably got, you go see where I'm going with this. Uh, and the second one, which is uh, the next logical step, which is, okay, if we got some of our customers who are happy or at least passive about what we're doing, can we, can we identify opportunities to serve them better? Can we upsell them a bit? So this is the mm-hmm. next area of, of the return on investment. You know, what can we do? But of course that means in the sales process, you need to track those customers upselling and you need to have some skills on those. So you can't just leave it to support. Um, so CSM is quite a good solution. If you've got some really good customer success people who are bonused on meeting some targets, that's, that's a really good area to get more revenue on. But, um, but you know, you don't want to get, be too salesy in CSM. So you need to have the balance there. So area one, reducing churn, holding onto your customers more. Second area, upselling. And there's this third one, which is often overlooked, and it's referral sales. Mm. And um, Ian, I think you brought that stat to the attention. I certainly read it on your side. What percentage of companies think they've got a good referral system? Is it like 10% or something? Or Yeah, it's, it's very low. Yeah, I think it's like 20%. More than, and more than half of the companies out there think they could do a better job on, re, on referrals if they're really yep. honest about it, right? Yep. And I yep. think so. I think in a way, this is the, this is the you know, if, if, if retention, so if the whole retention side is sort of the Cinderella discipline of most businesses, you know, the, the saddest part of it is the referral program. And yet this is the one that, you, that, you, that we can really identify and say, look, if, if you find people who are happy with your business and they can refer them to other people, really activate that. Um, and, you know, this is, this is also what I love about Net Promoter is that uh, you ask the question, hey, uh, how likely are you to recommend it to a friend or a family? And then if somebody gives you a nine or a 10, you can go back to them and say, thank you. Thanks for saying that you would recommend us. Here are some tools 
to allow you to do it. And then, of course, the hard bit comes in is that you've got to then measure that. You've got to measure the how that customer uh, refers it to somebody else and track it back and then bring the revenue in. And I think this is, this is the thing, I, in a way, I'm actually most excited about at the moment, Ian. This is the thing I'm really, uh, it's really occupying my mind about how to really turn your whole net promoter program or account experience into something that brings money in. Gary, um, you, you have some experience doing that uh, at a couple of your companies, right? Just basically teeing off a referral program. Maybe speak to that real quick. Yeah, you know, I, I think in those three that, that Adam talks about, I think the first two are like no-brainers, right? Hold yep. on to what you have and grow yep. what you have. But do we activate the people that are champions, that are excited about us? And I know we've talked about this in a couple of times, but I, I think having other departments, if it's sales out front, if it's product building solutions to draw in those referrals or, or new products, um, how do you activate those promoters in order to, to and, and like Adam said, and track those promoters yeah. as, as those referrals as they're happening? Um, because I think that's where your program takes off. I think that's where everything else is, is an addition, right? If, if you hold on to someone, you add incrementally. I think if you, if you grow someone, you add on incrementally. But when you refer someone, when the referral gets kicked in, it's like a multiplier. And now what happens is you're bringing more people in that are adding and it enhances, it takes off. Um, yeah, and I, I think in the past, that was one of the things that I really had to sell. And like Adam's my CEO, I have to go to him and say, look, I, this is the end game. This is what it equals on the bottom line. I mean, right. let's, let's cut to it. And this is the value. And it's always a challenge for someone who owns a program to put a dollar amount on their effort and what they're doing for the organization. And in creating that program in the past, that was my key. How can I make that connection and show that number and getting multiple departments involved also? So I think, um, I think that's the key takeaway from listening to Adam say that um, well, on I'm really gonna, making, making referrals part of that. I'm going to add some flesh to that. It's like, Kerry, I think in, in B2C companies, um, we see some really good examples. Uh, I probably, I'm, well, I'm going to use Tesla as an example. Uh, Ian, I think this is one of your favorites. You know, so love if, it. Yeah. If you Tesla had some really good strong promoters, and and it would be bring along a friend for a test drive, and you would get a, you know, and I and I love the simplicity of that, but also, you know, refer a friend and get a freebie or something like that. Very right. simple. Um, a Dropbox is not a huge example of that. You know, that one. to get to more. Um, but I think in you know the area that I'm usually preoccupied in, most most of our clients have got large heterogeneous complex accounts in b2b and you, you know you can't just easily say oh well we have a free one of those um for all sorts of reasons one is you know b2b there are all sorts of restrictions about referrals you know corrupt practices or or, or taking bribes so it's often not a monetary value that that, that, that takes that, that that is transferred it's a reputational thing so you've got to feel totally comfortable about saying, hey, we had a great experience with this company. I think other people in my, uh, my profession could use that. And that, you know, that's, that, that is a, that's a big bar to overcome because you might be giving away commercial confidentiality or, 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 or competitive advantage. But, I, but that's the thing that really preoccupies me. How can you make it comfortable for B2B companies to, to have a referral program? Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's reputation. It's a really good point, Adam, where literally you're putting your own reputation on the line. And that's not something people take lightly, right? So 
let's just break that down for a second. So there's a couple of things you got to be really clear about, right? Which is what's expected. So what is going to happen? So if I give this person um, a referral, so if I'm literally saying, hey, go talk to Joe Schmo at this company, like I want to know what's going to happen to Joe Schmo. I don't want to put him through the ringer where it's like a sales process and like all of this terrible stuff that could happen. Then it just becomes a burden. So I think you have to be really clear at, all right, if you give us this name, XYZ will happen. This is why it's something good for you. This is why you should do it. And this is why it's also good for Joe. Um, you have to be very clear up front. And I think one of the, actually, I have an example here real quick. So one of the companies that did this extremely well is actually one of our customers, Verifin. Um, they did a uh, referral rally where they literally had this entire internal marketing campaign around generating referrals. They established what are called Verifans, which was really clever. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then they had weekly uh, leaderboards. They had big prizes. And, but they were very clear about what they asked for. They said, we want referrals that are within this ICP. So like, don't just give us anybody. We want these very specific people. And they were very clear about um, communications, so like what happens once a name is submitted. And then they basically coached their customers on how to proceed through the process. And what they did was they generated over 150 new ICP leads in just a couple of weeks, which as we know as, as CG, yeah. those referral leads, Adam, I mean, we had a couple, I think we had one close this month, right? I mean, that's the, the craziness of these referral leads. They close at, I think, 40 or 50%, which is very, very high in SaaS. Yeah, I, yeah, there's a few things with that. Well, first of all, hey, to give you some stats, about 20% of our sales comes from referrals, which I, I'm really right. proud of. And I think that, you know, we have a pretty high NPS and um, I'm certain the two things go together. We, we really try and do a great job with our customers and when they move to another company or they refer, so that, that's where a lot of the business yeah, 20% custom. And a couple of things that happen, you know, you point, you just said that business uh, referred business close faster and generally at a higher price or at least less discount. That, so, right. so we're able to build that into a model uh, when we're looking for new business and, um, and, uh, and see that happening. And I think it's really something that the company should take away is that referred businesses, it is, you know, of course it happens, but if it's something you nurture, you can really, really, really do this. And I want to give you one other example, because as it comes back to this thing about, you know, it's not always about personal gain that does it. Sometimes you just need to say, look, I, uh, you should talk to my friend so-and-so about, about this, uh, this company. But what often happens is that unless you give an introduction at the right level in the business, it can really fall flat. And, and then at least the personal embarrassment for yourself as the referrer. Oh man, yeah. what happened? Yeah, well, I tried the company and uh, they just brushed me off or I had a bad experience. You're like, oh God, you know, so you've got to really be on it. Otherwise you can ruin the people that are your promoters as well. So this episode of the Account Experience Podcast is sponsored by Customer Gauge, the leading B2B account experience software that ties revenue to your experience data in real time to help you make better account-centric decisions that drive revenue growth. Quick question. What do you guys think is the number one reason B2B experience programs fail? Believe it or not, it's lack of C-suite buy-in. In, in Customer Gauge's research with MIT, they found the quickest way to align yourselves with the C-suite is to actually align with what they care about most, which is revenue. That's why Customer Gauge is literally built from the ground up to maximize and track the revenue contribution from your experience program in real time. Companies like DHL, Anheuser-Busch, Heineken, uh, yeah, we get a good amount of free beer. One login, Iron Mountain, 
H&R Block, Super Office, and Sugar CRM are already using Customer Gauge to maximize their growth by tying their programs to revenue. And with over $10 billion worth of account revenue actively being managed in Customer Gauge, yeah, that's billion with a B. They're the leader in the space. But maybe even more interesting, they found that once you get alignment with that C-suite, the needs of these B2B practitioners or the program champions are evolving too. In such a complex account environment, it can be really tough to measure and act on feedback quickly across multiple departments, divisions, or even locations. Luckily, Customer Gauge has you covered there as well. With account-native features that easily help you not only measure the feedback from multiple stakeholders in an account, but act on that feedback in real time. Because at the end of the day, if you're not empowering your frontline staff with the right insights to address customer issues, you're going to be dealing with a churn issue. It's not a matter of if, it's really a matter of when. Customer Gauge helps you distribute this experience data across your entire organization, regardless of department, regardless of location, regardless of division, all in real time. No manual spreadsheets or a team of analysts are needed. Customer Gauge's mission is to help B2B companies harness the power of account-centric growth to drive meaningful change in their businesses. And that's a powerful thing. If you wanna see Customer Gauge in action, go ahead and check out customergauge.com and get a demo of account experience today. You won't regret it. This, this Verifan approach, not only did they activate the referrals, right? They educated them. Again, I'm the yep. education guy, so I got really <laughs> excited to hear that. But it's almost to give a playbook to your referrals to say, look, these are the wins. This is who we're looking for. This is how we want you to kind of say it. Um, and this is what we're trying to get out of it. And, you know, this is what's in it for you. But this is what's, you know, this is, this is your playbook. Yeah. And, and I think to speak to Adam's point, sometimes, you know, we have really great referrals. But the challenge with that, their expectations are higher. They're expecting more from you. Your reputation's writing. So now you're a little sweating and stressed. Like they better, <laughs> they better not make me look bad, you know? Um, and, and I think all those pieces come together. So yeah, they close quicker. They spend more. They're, they're not resistant to, to, they trust us almost out of the gate. Like, no, you need this. Trust me, you need to buy this. And this is what it's going to do for you. But on the flip side, if you, if, you know, if you drop the ball, if you stumble a little bit or you don't keep that promise, you know, their expectations are much higher. So, but I think, Adam, you said the thing that, that I like to hear, though, the MPS is higher. So that means on those referrals, we, we're keeping our promise. You know, we, yeah. we, we found that formula. Yeah, and I think if, you, if, if somebody gives you a negative uh, score or they're not responding, that's when you really need to jump on it. Um, Ian, just to sort of, I mean, we could, I could talk about ROI all day long, you know, but just in the interest of time today, if we just stick with the referral part of it. Of course. Uh, you know, if we look at, first, first of all, let's just take one, one step back on the return, return on investment. What I think is that whenever I talk to CEOs about retention and I work out for them the cost of doing nothing, it's really it's a real shock when you do the stats and and the conversation typically goes like this first of all we us three know that the you know the average for churn out there is about 20 percent a year or put, let's put it another way 80 you can keep 80 percent of your revenue year on year but if you lose 20 percent of your revenue a year that's like having to sell five quarters to get four mm. now i i like to think that most of the companies that we deal with have got a uh, their churn rate is lower, so maybe 10% or something like that, you know, which is great. But, you know, for somebody that's got a $50 million business, 
five million dollars are going out the door yeah just on churn customers and it's like well you know the cost of doing nothing is not well it's not just five million but it's the cost of marketing you've got to do acquiring the new customers to fill it up so before you know it it's about six or seven million and, you know, people sit back and go wow that's pretty serious and, you know it's a return on investment of this you know if we go back to it, it's about reducing churn increasing upsell but also doing the referrals any one of those three uh, alone can make a big dent in that uh, in, in there you know maybe maybe you get a million dollars back from just 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 doing a program on that I love that cost of doing nothing. That's such an important thing to bring up, Adam. So thank you for that. And, and I think uh, there's a lot of examples of this, but the one that comes to mind, and you mentioned it earlier, which is, is Dropbox and they're B2C, B2B. So they do both. They do um, consumer, but they also do a business style thing. And their referral business drove their user base from 100,000 users to 4 million users in 15 months. So 100,000 users to 4 million users in 15 months, and they have a $10 billion valuation. But the cost of doing nothing of that, like if they didn't have that referral program, they're leaving all those users on the table, they probably wouldn't grow nearly as fast. Um, it, it's crazy to me that there's companies out there that uh, don't think that a legitimate referral program will generate revenue for them. And I think the cost of doing nothing is just so massive that even if you just start with one basic program, um, just start because there's money that you're leaving on the table, whether it be in cost savings or in revenue growth. Um, and I, I really do want to get that across in this episode that just start something. I mean, Dropbox went through eight or 10 iterations of their program. So and that's another piece is like, you need to test this thing. So once you launch the first version, don't stop there, keep testing, keep iterating. Um, but Kerry, what are your thoughts on that as uh, the, the education guru? Um, yeah, I think, I think you guys brought up Dropbox intentionally because I'm just a, a raving fan about that approach. And, you know, it, it, from, a, from a user perspective or level, think about this. They empowered the group that loves them the most. And what they said is, we can give you something that costs practically nothing. We're going to give you a little bit more space. And, you know, it, it, it just took off. We were, it was almost like a game that started to get playing on that. And we talked about why this is a great thing. And I just remember, like, ringing my friends up and, like, you know, you need this and why well it's connected to all your apps and it's you can keep your stuff wherever you're at and and you know and and, and it's just it was it's like you said the other emails i got before from them didn't resonate where this one was like oh yeah you've just yeah. you've just activated me and educated me um so i think that's key what works for your customer base you've got to make it easy um and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it a step further, but you got to make it exciting. Yeah. If you're going to activate your referrals, you have to make it exciting for them. There's got to be something in it in the end game for them too. And I think yeah. it's with education or anything we do. Reciprocity is big on this for sure. Uh, and also a system, right? Bake it into the onboarding process. Um, so literally just make it part of your onboarding for new customers. Is like, hey, we have this program, da, 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 da. I mean, it's, it's really important to just start and build it into your process for sure. So, and I'm sure we could rant about this for hours upon hours, but um, we have the CEO on the line, Kerry. So what's going on with you uh, this week, Adam? And maybe uh, just give us a quick overview of that. Oh, well, thanks. Actually, I was really prepared for a rant today. I was actually hoping you would wind me up so I could really get my soapbox about some stuff because that, you know, like, you know I'm a grumpy old guy and I love to, I love to complain about stuff. Well, it's funny, look, I, I've, a couple of, couple of really interesting things happened to me this week and, you know, I speak to you on a Friday afternoon here in Amsterdam, and 
I'm kind of looking forward to my weekend. But two two things came out. Well, first of all, um, I had I was in touch with uh, one of our clients, one of my favorite ones, Hans from Super Office. Oh, yes. who we were talking about what he was up to and he's like yeah I'm, we've got this project this week we're going to activate our passives and i so i just i just wrote a little bit on linkedin about that i said do one thing today phone up everybody that's given you a seven or eight recently and say what's it going to take to get you a nine or ten and i bet you get some revenue and he said this week he said that it happened you know they made 10 calls out of these guys say you know why couldn't we not get you to a nine or a 10? And they was like, well, you know, because of this and we love it. And just that human interaction got a couple of, you know, tens of thousands uh, extra revenue about it, which everybody needs in August, I'm telling you. So, of course, yeah. I love that stuff. That's a great story. So that, was, that was the number one thing. And then the other thing I think was a real topper this week. And I don't know, also, I also put this on LinkedIn and I hope you can put a link to the video. Is the video we had, which was, uh, was actually shot seven years ago, this week, which was Jamie Clark, who runs this out, outdoor uh, e-commerce business. He's an incredible guy, I've got to tell you, you know, uh, a, a mountain climb, he's climbed Everest, nearly died on Everest and tells a story with passion. And he shot this video to ask people for feedback. And he's, he's up this, you can't see, this is a tight shot on his head. And he say, hi, I'm Jamie Clark, and I'd like to ask you for feedback. And the camera pulls back and you realize he's 3,000 feet up this vertical <laughs> wall of rock. And he's like, uh, you know, I, I love it. He says, I promise I'm going to read everyone. And he does this pause. He goes, and I just want to say, thank you for being our customer. <laughs> my heart <laughs> But it's everything in it. It's like 30 seconds of gold in that video. And, and, and Jamie also came back to me this week and he said, um, yeah, he says, I remember it. He says, but sit on a serious note. He says, you know, I really take this feedback seriously. I think it's, you know, so that kind of passion, uh, I, uh, it, it parallels the, the passion that people have for my product. And I really love that. But to top it, I had two calls. It was actually Brandon in your team, Kerry, that came back to me and said, hey, one of our clients is going to use this. Uh, um, right. and, and, and so they get their CEO is going to do it, although I don't know if they're going to do it up a mountain. And I had another one from one of our other clients in Telco that, that she's going to persuade her CEO to hang off a, a, a 4G mast to, to talk about this. But, you know, in a way, I think we were really ahead of our, our time with that. But this, getting... You know, I speak as a CEO, right? Getting getting in this and, and really saying, look, I really want to hear what you're saying, and I promise you, I'll act on it. Is the kind of yeah. human contract that I that I, I wish more CEOs would have with their clients. So, Adam, there's a perfect segue for the hot seat moment in our podcast, oh, okay. where we ask the CEO a really hard question: What are you going to do to get feedback? What can we put you on? <laughs> Uh, Hitting, well, of course. Okay, I'm okay. Kidding. So I love cycling, so I could do it on a bike. I'd just be a bit worried about the wind noise, you know, stuff like that. But uh, I don't know. Challenge me, guys. You know, it's like I, I, I love the idea of doing that. So maybe, maybe I will go away this weekend and I'll try to come up with a video. And, uh, no, but, but I think that's a really good point. And it's how do we challenge our CEOs and the leaders of our companies, right, to, to, to get that return on that investment? And that simple ask for feedback, what was the return on that investment? You know, it was, it was valuable information that helped make strategic decisions and guide the company. And, you know, it, I think it all locks into the one theme. If you're going to put forth an effort, whether it's financial or physical, what is the return on that? 
And can you measure it? Can you go back and say, yeah, this had an impact on what we did? I got it. So we're going to have Adam tight walk across a canal. <laughs> Come on. I mean, something. I, I, of heights. I, wouldn't, I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, I'm sure we could talk all day long, but um, Adam, we're going to have to have you back. It's been a great episode. So uh, ROI of experience is such a broad topic. I think it's great. We picked off referrals today. Maybe we do yeah. upsell, cross sell in a different time. So I'd love to. Uh, it's been a great episode. Thank you for joining up, Adam. As always, guys, subscribe, share with your friends. This is the Account Experience Podcast, and thanks for listening. Thanks for having me, guys. Much appreciated.